0: Day to be an educator in Georgia. Thank you for listening to Classroom Conversations, the platform for Georgia's teachers. I'm Ashley Mingwasser, your host. Classroom Conversations is a joint production of the Georgia Department of Education and Georgia Public Broadcasting, produced to be a place for teachers to share and learn. If you build it, they will come. Classic line from the 1989 Kevin Costner smash hit field of dreams it's a beautiful mantra for today's episode about building school community this one is for the hobbyist teacher among us the activist the planner the collaborator the originator the participator the one who doesn't just go home at the end of the day because school school can be home too i'm about to provide evidence that these types do exist in fact they're in studio with me Marcella Baker is not your everyday school psychologist who says people know who Mrs. Baker is. She's the school psychologist for Paulding County School District in her 15th year in education. Marcella serves Austin Middle School and East Paulding High School students alongside colleague and friend Jacob Runyon. Jacob is in year 9 as a classroom teacher, teaching 8th grade English at Austin Middle School. Jacob knows and shows the value of play in drawing people close. Marcella and Jacob unite the entire school community at various points throughout the year. And these fast friends are here to tell us how school community can be built intentionally. Hi, Marcella and Jacob.
1: Hi, Ashley. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for
0: having us. I'm glad you're here. How are you, Jacob?
2: <laughs> doing good. You're Thanks doing for good. having us. Yep.
0: You have a massively majestic beard right now. I want the audience to know. We talked about it briefly, but you, I wasn't prepared when you came in here. It was going to be so beautiful.
2: Yeah. I Over the summer, I just let it go. Yeah. The whole time.
0: Let's dive in with you first, Marcella. What mm-hmm. does building school community mean to you?
1: You know, thanks for asking, Ashley. It's so important because nowadays, I mean, think about it. Kids spend so much time at school, right? Yes. They're always at school. It's like a second home. And so you want to come to school and feel like, You've got somebody there that you can trust. You've got somebody there that you can talk to um, and that you have resources available. And so um, building school community means we're coming through the door and we're building relationships with kids. We're building relationships with the staff members, with the teachers, with the administrators, everybody in the building. And that includes, you know, um, the cafeteria workers and the janitors, too. I
0: love that. Everybody.
1: Everyone.
0: What impact does your role have on the school community? You know, a psychologist. Uh,
1: yeah. Uh, <laughs> like you said, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm not your everyday school psychologist at this point because I don't just walk into a building and test kids. Um, those days are long gone for me. Absolutely. That's what I was trained to do. Um, but it's really important to get into the building and get to know who you're working with. Mm-hmm. So working with teachers like Jake, you're finding out what they're passionate about. You're finding out you know, what kind of makes them tick and what makes them work really hard for the kids, and you're collaborating with them. You're working right alongside them. Um, And so I don't feel like I work in a silo anymore on my own. I'm a part of the school, so I'm a part of those um, team meetings that take place. Um, we're able to have conversations about what needs to happen and what's going to be best for kids. And I'm not like on the outside looking in.
0: Yes. You know, I like that very much. And Jacob, I know you guys work closely together. What is your role in building community, especially as an English teacher? You're in the classroom.
2: Yeah. Um, so just community is so important in school. Um, like Marcella said, we have kids from you know, that spend more time at school and and every single kid, you know, my philosophy is that every single kid should be able to find their place in the building. So, you know, with English, a lot of that does ha- come down to, you know, some of the things that we read. We try to keep it, you know, multi-literacy. We read things from all sorts of different perspectives. It's not just like from one perspective of history. We'll look at many different um, avenues, you know, We'll look at if we're doing argumentatives, we'll look at all sorts of different viewpoints on something, not just one, and saying that this is the right answer. Because every single kid is allowed to have their own opinion and being being able to find their place in the classroom and then also in the school itself.
0: Yes, and one one theme, I guess, that you really push – among your students, Jacob, is uh, is don't be afraid to play. Tell me about that.
2: Yeah, so you know, play is one of those things where it, it can be your greatest friend or it can also be your greatest enemy because we've all seen and had those teachers where it's like all they do is play, and it's like, well, you didn't really do a whole lot of learning <laughs> the either, objective right? is to learn. And the to objective teach. is still to learn. Yeah. So. Um, but what I kind of mean with that is there is a time for play even in school. Uh, yeah. Um, and I know, you know, one of the greatest books I ever read, it was called, uh, The Gift of Failure by Jessica Leahy. She had an entire section uh, in that book about how kids don't really have the opportunity to just be kids anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, they're coming into sixth and seventh grade and we're kind of already preaching, like, you better know what you want to do with the rest of your life. And it's like, they're in sixth and seventh grade. They're like grade. employees
0: at that point. <laughs> right. Yes. And it's
2: like, I remember being in sixth and seventh grade where he's like, I just want to go play basketball and throw a ball as hard as I can at a wall. That's like yeah. the only thing that I want to do. So um, I really try to make time in my classroom for that. So we do have some academic play that I, I like to kind of engage with the students in and some of that competition, but also just going and playing with the kids outside of the classroom. You will not connect with a kid nearly as effectively as if you go and do what the kid wants to do. Yeah. And so sometimes during gym, like I'll go and play basketball or go play uh, wiffle ball with the kids. Oh, are you a good and, basketball player? Um, no. No. I, he's I, not. It's, it's kind of the one time where you can truly put a kid first is if you go to the things that they're interested in and play with them in their realm of what they want to do.
0: Because we all know that question when we ask a student, hey, what's your favorite subject in school right now? And they say, recess? And you're like, wait a minute. (laughs) You know, you're missing all that goodness. So you're saying put academics first, but you can also make academics playful at times.
2: Absolutely. And make
0: them fun, for sure. How did you both land in education? Marcella, did you know you were going to be a school
1: psychologist? No idea at all, Ashley. Not like in my wildest dreams, honestly. I started out school saying, telling everybody when I graduated from high school, I'm going to be just like my mom. I'm going to be a registered nurse, right? So I go to school and I'm taking all these math and science classes and it was like, "Hold up, girl. This is not <laughs> working. You got to take some time and step back and reevaluate what's really going on." And it just, you know, it didn't feel right. It wasn't right. Um and so I ended up changing my major to psychology just kind of on a whim. I knew I needed to just kind of finish that degree. Right. So I took those classes. And one of my very last courses um, was on assessment and measurement and testing. And I absolutely fell in love with it. And so that's kind of what led me on the path of school psychology. You know, that love of assessment and measurement. And I chose school psychology and the rest is history.
0: Jacob, how did you land in this profession?
2: Um well, so I got into this profession, and I kind of knew I was going to be an educator at a young age like i I wanted to do it for a long time um and eighth grade, you know, I was really into band and different things like that, and so I kind of set out in my high school years like knowing or wanting to be a band director and By the time I got to the end of high school, I realized like ah. Eh, I really like music, but I like music to be my stress reliever, not my stress Ah. causer. Um, So with that, I decided I was like, I I still want to be in education. I I used to tell people, I was like, I'm at school and I can't really imagine myself anywhere else. So I actually went and interned with my eighth grade English teacher uh, my senior year of high school. And she was like my all time favorite teacher. Um, she's, her name's Miss Moyer now. I think she's in like Iowa. So she's kind of traveled all over and been to, uh, Germany and all that. And, um, I also had a really cool youth pastor. So I was kind of in my senior year of high school going like, I either want to go into the mission field, you know, and be like a youth pastor, or I want to go into education. I told my teacher that, you know, who I was interning with, and she looked at me and said, Jake, there's not a bigger mission field than public education. Mm. And that just kind of just solidified it for me. And so I went to college to be a history major. Um, and then I in the few English classes that I had to take, I realized I really liked English, too. Um, and so then, you know, I kind of went to my advisor and she was like, well, go be a middle grades education major because you have to get concentrations in both. And I was like, cool. Um, so it was, it was awesome because then, you know, middle school to me is also like they are the most um, – undefined. That's not the word. They are the most misunderstood people group like in the world. I think middle school kids just like people just kind of view them as like, uh, yeah, you're just you just need to survive until high school. <laughs> um, So <laughs> this I
0: transitional sp- space yeah, called middle school. <laughs> that's right.
2: You know, so um, I ended up falling in love with middle school, which was perfect because I interned, you know, in my senior year there. And then I had middle school uh internships in college throughout as well. So.
0: It is nice to have a psychologist around, Marcella. What's the lay of the land for students in your community today? What are they going through? What trends are you seeing? So, you know,
1: pandemic. Thanks, COVID. Thanks right? a lot. So, you know, we, we're we behind in math. We're behind in reading. And we're educators, right? So we're working on that. Yeah. Um, the part that we are seeing that's ticking up um, is that mental health piece of it. Um, kids are really struggling with their mental health at, for a variety of reasons, um, and so we're seeing a lot of things like lack of focus mm. and impulsivity. Um, but you also get that irritability yeah. and that isolation and withdrawal. Um, and these are these are common problems that we're seeing every day with, with all of our students and, and their families are working, you know, to, to work on it. We like to focus on student well being, but it's okay to feel a certain way. It's okay, you know, to think one way or another, but to just work on Developing those skills and understanding your emotions, understanding yeah, to process, yeah, and to process it, absolutely, and what that looks like and what's appropriate and inappropriate when you're at school, exactly. and how to work through it.
0: Oh, very good. Yeah. I'm so glad they have you, Marcella. You too, Jake. <laughs> I felt our school psychologists would love to engage in a couple of community building activities for the three of us. So would would you indulge? Or would absolutely, you engage with me. <laughs> okay, first I want to do this one. You guys could maybe try this for community building. It's okay. the, it's the conversation game. It's just conversational. It's I like you because. Okay. So I would i I'll start. Um, if I may. Mm-hmm. So so Jacob, Jake, I'm leaning closer. Jake.
2: Mm.
0: I like you because you are so funny. You are so funny. I love that about you, Jacob. And Marcella, I like you because you have just an indefeatable spirit. You are so persistent and positive with students. I like that a lot. Why, How does that feel? You.
1: It feel feels good? amazing. Thank you. I'd
0: love to, I'd love to right. hear why Why you like Jake over there, Marcella. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, is she making me do this? <laughs>
1: I like Jake a lot, right? Because. He... I
0: thought she was going to say, but.
1: <laughs> but. But. That's probably, I mean,
2: the but would be a, a more fair <laughs> conversation. But. Because. That's
1: okay. Because he really, he, he bonds with his students. I can tell I mean, that. when I walk down to the end of the hallway and get to his classroom, he is so keeping it real with those kids. It's I mean, it's like, did I walk into a classroom or am I someplace else? <laughs> um, but he keeps it real and they connect with that. And that's why I like Jake. Because he's not feeding them, you know, hogwash at all. No.
0: The real deal, <laughs> the real deal. Jacob. Yeah. Jacob, what do you like about Marcella?
1: <clears throat> I'm afraid.
2: Marcella. Yes. I like you. <laughs> because of your determination. I think that you're one of the most determined people in Paulding County, for sure. And (laughs) anything that needs to be done, you get it done. And that's very uncommon in a school psychologist
0: You said that before that's it well he's saying that again it must it be true I, I like that i
2: practiced it, <laughs>
0: he practiced it. It's like he knew, he's like he knew that was coming uh back on to building school community which you two are experts at why do you think it's important for schools to provide a safe environment and a sense of community for students that they serve i know you you tease this a little bit jacob which is what they're going what they might be going through at home but just what is school supposed to be why is that so important
2: for me Students deserve the right to feel like they are a part of the school that they attend. Um, And that to me is why school community is very, very important. And it's why middle schools and high schools in particular that kind of don't get the same community support from, you know, parents of elementary kids really do deserve the opportunity to explore different things that they could be interested in. I know since moving to Georgia, you know, one thing that I've kind of tried to say a little bit more is like, you know, middle school is supposed to be the time where a student can figure out like what they like and what they want to do. And I don't know that there's a whole lot of space for that. Um, So that's why as like educators, like we really do need to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to provide those explorative things for students to figure out like what they do and don't like, what they believe and don't believe. And um, those kinds of things, and obviously, you know, put on putting on events where you know people feel like they are a part of the school. Um, and I know not every Georgia county is like this, but I know, you know, in Paulding, like we don't have middle school sports, um, mm. which is which is weird. But you know, it might be kind of weird to bring up middle school sports in the middle of a conversation about community. But that means when students get to middle school they care more about what the high school they're going to than uh, they do about their own school. Where they presently
0: are. And mm-hmm. so all
2: of those athletes that are going and playing in these feeder programs, I'm sure the high schools love it because they get to kind of basically groom who mm-hmm. they, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. is coming up. But at the same time, it's like, man, I I remember being in middle school and it was like, man, we're the C.C. Griffin Griffins. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> you know, like, this it's is part who of your we identity. are. Like, it's part of your identity. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, schools just really need to make sure that they are building things in place for kids to be able to find their spot in in the school and so i know one thing that we've started doing as a school is like really encouraging teachers to do clubs and so Mm -hmm. we started like a run club this year i'm a really big runner and so i got my basically got the kids out there we have a half mile track around the school and it was just like we went outside and we just ran and Some of them really, really, really got into it, you know, and I know uh, one of our teachers started a gaming club this year. and the there's a baking ca- club. A baking club. Oh, yeah. Baking there, club. yeah, They're whole... selling
1: cake pops, Ashley, like <gasps> walking down the I hallway. I only thought Starbucks knew pop. how
0: to make those. No. Those look difficult. No. Miss Bristol. Middle schoolers
1: are the really sphere. good at it. Yeah. yeah,
0: That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> so you're giving them opportunities to understand what community feels like That's right. at your school so that yep. they can recreate that and find their own place as they go on. Yep. What do you have to add to this, Marcel? Why is it important for students to have a safe environment and community where they go to school?
1: It means everything. It's, you know, again, it's their their home away from home and they they've got to feel like people care about them and people are rooting for them to be successful. So you know, like you said, we're trying to give them everything we possibly can so that they feel comfortable and they feel like like they're at home. And you know, I mean all types of clubs that you wouldn't have even thought of. Um, like you said, the gaming club and the baking and things like that. I started, and this again goes well beyond like what your typical school psychologist would do. But I ended up sponsoring an academic club, and we started doing really? a Black History Bowl, and like we've gone to all these competitions. And I, you know, and I tell people like I'm not a teacher, you guys. I have no idea what I'm doing. But <laughs> <laughs> we're legit just getting into a room and we're studying all these facts, all these things that n- none of the students knew. Half the things I don't even know, and we're going to competition, you know, and we're, we're winning, you know. That's so incredible. it's really cool because they feel like I'm a part of this yes I'm a part of something bigger than me
0: they are and and how is that meeting their basic needs the the need for connectedness that all students crave to be part of a positive school community
1: yeah you know we've got all this technology in our lives and you know they're playing games on computers with people that they've never met before and things like that and it really just gives them an opportunity to to connect with a classmate, to connect with maybe somebody who they would have never been friends with, you know, mm-hmm. um, and we kind of push them to their limits, you know, get comfortable with each other, get, get comfortable, get in there, meet each other, find out new things, and you'll probably bloom this whole relationship exactly. out of you know, the run club or baking together. Instead
0: of being dissociated, mm-hmm, really, mm-hmm. and and uh, engaged in only digital mediums and not interpersonal ones. Yeah, yeah that makes a big, big difference. What do you have to say to that, Jake? How is it meeting students' basic need for connectedness to be part of a community?
2: I mean, I think it's everything that we've kind of been saying is that it just gives them a place, you know, and that, that face-to-face interaction is so much, to me anyway, it's so much more important than being able to do something you Know on your computer, you know, I kind of even think about like towards the end of the year. Uh, did you know chess made a comeback?
0: Did it? <laughs> chess
2: made a comeback, I and don't know it, with I a like vengeance. That news. I oh, I did, it was great. I just, I'm terrible at chess, but it, it, <laughs> it was too. cool. I had a few kids that got really into chess, and so one thing that I did was like, Well, instead of playing other people online, here's a chessboard, <laughs> uh, you know, like this
0: is where it originated, this is
2: where it originated, and so yeah. it, I was. Getting beat by eighth graders playing chess, you know, the last few weeks of school. But, you know, it's one of those things, you know, one of our uh, former principal used to say it all the time. And I'm sure it's like a cliche thing in education, but it's true. It's like kids won't remember what you taught them, but they will remember how you made them feel. Right. You know, in that last two weeks, you know, just kind of. And then when they left, it kind of being like, oh, I remember when Mr. Runyon did that. You yeah. Know? And like that's kind of the impact that you're going to leave regardless of whether or not you taught them well or not. And there know? can
0: be these trends that are actually use your brain and mm-hmm. can catch like wildfire in the school, like uh, right. like learning chess if you don't know how to play. What are some big events that your school hosts annually that nurture a community for students, for teachers, maybe for parents, too?
1: Well, Ashley, you said it at the beginning. If you build it, they will come. They will come. And so we have been having lots of school events that involve really bringing dinner to the families. And so if we're able to have our STEM night or our curriculum night and we can weave in a meal with that, It just makes the parents lives that much easier. Easier. Right. Because I've got to feed these kids. We've got all kinds of things to do in the evening. But if I can get to the school and connect with the STEM program. Right. And so we're you know, the science teachers are putting together all these cool activities. I mean, and it's something as simple as like making ice cream. Oh, right? so
0: they'll do kind of like a, an experiment approach oh, yeah. to
1: absolutely STEM night. I absolutely, like I think the last time my girls showed up and they had ice cream, and I was like, "Where'd you get ice cream from? So we, we made, made it." it. <laughs> oh, I see. But of course, again, along with that, you've got dinner. We're serving dinner, and we use it as an opportunity to to do some fundraising um, for our PBIS team. The STEM nights and the curriculum nights are huge. You know, they're kind of a part of you know, what we have to do anyway as educators. And so we want to be able to pull those families in and say, we've got something for you come learn something new with your kid and have a good time but we can kill two birds with one stone and have dinner too. Yeah, I like
0: and then that's one less thing that the parents have to do yeah. in terms of feeding the feeding their students, their kids, your students. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what about what about you Jake? What do you have to add to this in terms of I know you mentioned there's uh, there's these behavioral celebrations yes. at your school. Yes. So,
2: um we have behavioral celebrations once a quarter. Um, So Marcella and I are one of our main parts where we collaborate. She is actually the behavioral specialist on the PBIS team. So she's, um, you know, when we sit down and we look at all that data, she's kind of able to sit and be like, all right, well, for this student, you know, I think that they need to go on this kind of intervention because Mm -hmm. of this root cause. Right. It's like there's. She does a lot more than I do on that team. But (laughs) um, one thing that I've kind of done over the years is we've created a behavioral celebration where um, there's a certain criteria and you can't have any office referrals, bus referrals, or uh, I think it's like more than three unexcused absences in a quarter. And if that's you, then you get to go and participate in a Eagle Buck celebration is what we call it. And so for... Four times a year, students get to go, and they literally just get an hour and a half to just go and be kids. So kind of going back to that idea of play, it's like – that's a fun time to go play with the kids because they are literally on the connections hall doing whatever they want for an hour and a half. There's a little bit of structure there, but you get my point. Like they have, you know, it's like, you
0: you mentioned that in your school that there were referrals for disrespect, um, that that was something that was coming up. mm -hmm. What, and research shows us that creating a positive school community reduces behavioral problems. So what do you think has been the impact on students' academic performance when they had this feeling of community in your school?
2: Mm. Um, I think definitely if you kind of show students respect, you will get more respect in return. And oh. I think, you know, it's really easy. You know, I think a lot of times teachers kind of go into the the day, like, what can my students do for me? How are they going to respect me? And that's never a conversation. Like, that should never be a thought that enters our mind. Our, our idea should always be, what can I do for the student? Because if a student is showing you disrespect, a lot of times it's not personal. Oh, there's, yeah. there's nothing personal that's happening there. What's happening is they're responding to something either in their environment that you can see or can't see, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, of course, teachers deserve respect. And I'm not sitting here saying that we should just, you know, when a student cusses us out the next time, we're just like, that's okay. You know, like, obviously, it's it's a little bit more than that. But at the same time, like... When a student is met with disrespect or when a student meets an educator with disrespect, if the educator responds disrespectfully, that's only going to set things off in a more terrible motion. So if we can do a better job at, you know, making sure that my wife calls me a topper. You know, making sure that my emotion doesn't end up topping the student's emotion who's uh, showing me disrespect.
0: I see. Then,
2: you know, you're going to have a much better outcome in handling that discipline situation. And it might stop at, you know, hey, here's your warning today instead of, hey, we got to go get the assistant principal or principal to remove you. It can stop
0: at a warning because in like you're, like you said, you both are building relationships with these students. So it's almost, I almost feel like when you put that energy and that effort into them to play with them, you know, to see where they're coming from in school, Marcella and what their background is, they don't disrespect you Mm -mm. because they trust you and they want to please you. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're seeing? Marcella? Yeah.
1: And I was going to say, what you find out is like, when you give these kids just a minute to cool down and to just breathe, Half of the time, probably more than half of the time, really, they just want to be heard. Uh They want somebody to listen. They want somebody to know that they're going through something. Something. And sometimes it's just a matter of just go take a seat. Mm -hmm. Dude, chill. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And then when they come back, they're ready to talk. And they're ready to explain to you, well, yeah, I was upset because... Before I left the house, X, Y, and Z happened, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like you said, it has absolutely nothing to do with you. There's a root. There's a root cause, right? Mm -hmm. And so we've got to be the bigger person and we've got to learn to be the adults and let kids be kids and be vulnerable sometimes, but give them that opportunity to breathe, let things die down, and then you can actually work on what needs to be worked on. And that puts you right back into the classroom and it puts you back into a place where you're learning and you're not missing instruction
0: yes thank you a message from your school psychologist (laughs) how about a bulletin for those community builders listening now who are just at the beginning of the process of building a positive school community what do you have to say to them
1: Get out there and for the school psychologist, right? (laughs) Get out there and get to know your school. Become a part of your school. Do not lock yourself away in an office, which is really easy to do with the caseloads that we have. There's all kinds of paperwork to do. There's all kids to be tested everywhere. But get out there. Get into the building. Get to know your administrators. Get to know what their needs are. And just ask, how can I help? You know, what can I do? What can I do to support your school? And it could look like, I mean, the answer is always going to be different depending on what your school needs. But find out where you can find a place and become a part of that team because they want you. They need you. They need your expertise. Right. And they're they're kind of itching for it. They're looking for something different. And if you just put yourself out there to say, hey, I'm available, I'm a resource. Oh, trust me, they'll use you.
0: They'll use you. (laughs) Jacob, what's your message? What tips?
2: Um, I would say if you're just getting started, I think one thing that we a lot of times we don't do in education or we kind of like neglect it is to remember that, you know, our team, like as a team of educators should has to be a well oiled machine and it has to be a place of community first before we can really, truly reach out. And so I would kind of give the advice, like if you're just starting, like get to know those people on your team. I feel like you can even look at, I feel like any of the biggest corporations in the world, and it's like they spend a whole bunch of time on community Mm -hmm. and internally before they start reaching their customer. Mm -hmm. Right. And so. Know who we are. Know who we are. Right. And so I think that uh, a true community really does start with the, I guess you could call it collaboration or the team building that happens as a school and as a staff. Because if the staff is all aligned and they're all on the same page and they're all being able to kind of point in the same direction of, like, this is what we want, then you're going to have much better success when students arrive and you'll be much more open to being community building with students.
0: Right. If all the staff are upholding the same message and the standard of positive community, then that's infiltrating the classroom and every student, reaching every student and instilling that in them. Do either of you or both of you have a, have a favorite tale a story about how building a sense of community has positively impacted your classroom or your
2: school.
1: Jake's always got a story. He's got tall tales. <laughs> I know he does. Always got tall a story. Tales.
2: Nine <laughs> years in education, I got all the tales. Um, no, I, so one year, uh, I think it was my s- second year. It was my second year at Austin Middle School. It's my fourth year overall teaching. Um we had a guy in my homeroom and I don't think he'll mind mentioning his name cuz he's got his own brand and everything. He wow. literally like he's really good at basketball and he was in there with like three or four other kids who are also really good at basketball. Um and so every single year we have a big field day competition and one of the events is basketball. And oh we boy. had we had a student in our homeroom who um was special needs. And so he would come to my homeroom every day and he would go back to his classroom. And that was what he did. But he played with us on field day. So the boys in the corner specifically signed him up for everything that they did. Um, and it was like one of the coolest things ever. And so we're sitting at the basketball game and I'm I had to like monitor the basketball game as it's happening and keeping score and stuff. And the boys that Seriously, the boys that I have, like, they could have played college basketball in eighth grade. So they literally <laughs> oh, ran up. Gosh. They ran up the score. They got up to like 20 points, and there was still three minutes left in the game. And they put that other student in there, <sighs> and they just let him, like, literally get the ball and shoot it. And they, like, would pick him up and, like, put him next to the basket to, like, get it in. And it was like, that's cool. Like, that school community. And so, you know, one thing that I kind of would just kind of like to leave with is just, like, if you have those students who want to make a community, let them do it. Let them lead. Let them lead, you know, because if it's led by students, students are way more likely to latch on to it than something that an adult is trying to do.
1: Mm.
0: Very, very nice. Thank you, Jake. Marcella, what about you? Do you have a story that
1: (laughs) illustrates this? You know, um, I was thinking about his story, because, like, most of my stories are, like, confidential. I can't be telling all <laughs> types of things. I signed However, <laughs> <endless pleasure>. yes. <laughs> However, I was thinking back to th- that time period during the pandemic when um, I served a different high school and um, we had our group of special education students who would come into the building to get additional instruction at the high school. Um, and they all of a sudden, I mean, it kind of it went from, like, one day playing basketball in the gym, just kind of some free time, Um, To the next thing I know, like every week, every Wednesday, there was a whole basketball tournament that included the Paulding County Sheriff's Department and the fire department. There, There are YouTube videos out there of like all the kids playing hoops with the fire and the, I mean, like it it was pretty amazing. And it went on for like a whole semester. And every week it was like, y'all coming down to the basketball game or what? And I'm like, (laughs) I'm in here working. But, you know, it just was amazing because, again, talk about community. They showed up and they're like, heck, yeah, we're coming back next week. We're playing again. We're playing all semester long. And they had a great time, had a great time. And even throughout, you know, all of the, the terrible things that were happening during the pandemic. And they showed up and they were there for each other.
0: Beautiful. Mm-hmm. We've got, I've got an eighth grade English teacher and a
1: school psychologist who are torchbearers
0: for the idea of building community. And you're doing a wonderful job. Thank you for a beautifully constructed episode, Marcella and Jacob. I oh, really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks for being here. Teachers, let this information build you up as you develop your own custom-fitted techniques to turn up the togetherness. You're like Kevin Costner's baseball legends and Field of Dreams. You're legendary educators coming together as a community of dreams. You're a great teacher. And I'm a great fan of that film, which I'm heading home to watch right now. I'm Ashley Mingwasser. Thank you for listening to Classroom Conversations. We'll be back next week. Goodbye for now. for Classroom Conversations is made possible through the School Climate Transformation Grant.